Okay. Hey, welcome to uh, the next episode of Leith HR Group Presents HR Nightmares. We are the Leith HR Group team. I'm Lisa Leith. This is Beth Looney and Amy Conway. And today we have special guest K.O., who is a chief people officer of True Colors. We're going to be talking about drinking on the job here. (laughs) Since we got a lady from a brewery, we're going to crack it open as we talk about it. Um, So anyway, welcome to to the episode. Make sure that you connect with each one of us on LinkedIn and follow Leith HR Group on LinkedIn. Check us out on leithhrgroup.com. All right. So the first thing that we always love to do is take our write-ins from people. And I love, 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 love that people are actually writing in. So we're getting folks from Wilmington to Raleigh to New York writing in and asking us questions, giving us situations and stories about their HR nightmares or asking us to work through their own nightmares or situations. So uh, shout out to Gabby Plumet, who can't be with us right now. She's our marketing and engagement coordinator, but she sent us the HR nightmare of the day. And so I want to hear us all weigh in on what do we think about this. So, okay, we have a listener from Wilmington, North Carolina, that said they had a business owner during COVID decide to put computer monitoring software on everyone's computer that tracked how productive or active the employee was being at home, a.k.a. they were micromanaging. As the HR director for the business, who is no longer there, apparently they quit, probably because of this, um, I didn't agree to it at all. On top of that, they wanted to use the data to compare with people's time cards. Complete HR nightmare. How would you handle this if you were the HR director at this organization? Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting one. I think that it really just spoke to how uncomfortable business were businesses were going remote, right? Mm-hmm. They just had never had to embrace that kind of option and their that doubt of what are the employees doing while they're at home all day? Are they working? Will the job get done? You know, I I think that it was probably a reaction because of all that fear because they probably had never had any kind of remote or hybrid models before and Hopefully, two years later, they've worked through some of those things because it's not necessary. People get the job done. It's really about outcomes. It's not as much about the inputs and how long it's taking. It's like, is the job getting done? Micromanagers in general. I mean, like, I've worked with several of them, and um, it was like that 1980s style management, watching people come in and out of the office or in and out of the plant and then commenting on it and watching people down to the minute. Any any stories about like working with a micromanager and how'd you personally deal with them? Oh, I've had a million. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think I've had a, a ton too. And I think what that does is when you work with somebody who micromanages you, it tells you that they don't trust you to do your job. Yeah. And so it's, it's a problem with their core values and their belief system and the culture that they want to build internally inside the company if you don't trust me to do my job. But instead, you want to nitpick and tell me how to do my job that you have no experience in. Did you give them feedback? I mean, I did. You, you know, okay. I, I mean, Well, you're also from New York, so you're bringing that New York moxie. <laughs> yeah, and you can't mind read, right? And so yeah. I'm just like, hey, is everything okay? Right. Do you right. want to see something? You want to see what's happening over here? And, you know, I think some managers, and this is not shocking for you guys because of who you are, some managers don't know how to manage either. And so what I realized in that conversation that I had is that this manager thought that this is the way they should manage because this is how they were taught. And as the HR pro, I had to teach them how to do it differently, um, even when it meant managing me. Yeah. And I had a lot. Oh, go sorry. ahead. No, go ahead. 
I, you know, I remember really early on in my career, I did not have it quite as much later in my career. Um, and if I did, I was like, how can I get promoted within 12 months to get out of that? <laughs> but earlier in my career, I had a lot of it. And I think it was just because I was, you know, an assistant manager, or department manager, right? And those leaders were also really young in their career. I was reporting, if I was an assistant, I was reporting to a department manager. So I think it was just, they didn't have, you know, the professional skills to really empower their people and know what management looked like, right? They weren't good managers. Mm -hmm. But more than anything, when I worked for those folks, I just learned a lot about how I never wanted to be when I became the leader. And again, I worked really hard to get out of those jobs quickly mm -hmm. in order to I think you know. KO not really nailed it when you said it's all about trust. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes managers, maybe young or less um, experienced managers, mm -hmm. they they don't they don't trust their employees because they haven't had the experience yet. Um, and so I think I loved how you trained your manager, and I think that you can do that in really a subtle way too, and just t put the end to that because no one no one wants to go to work and feel like under the gun and micromanaged to that degree at all. I, I wouldn't. I mean, you've dealt it. with a client recently that you had to train. Um, obviously, uh, the names go unnamed. Uh, <laughs> but I would say it. What, what, what was explained a little bit in this story that I want to pick apart is the fact that this HR director didn't agree with putting the software on there, but this particular manager, whether it was the owner or whatever, they put it on anyway. And so she ended up leaving. I, I guess... When is when do you push back and when do you stop pushing back as an HR director? There's always this kind of like fine line of things that we can tackle and things that we can't tackle and what's our responsibility and which swords do we fall on? So when it comes to like productivity, software tracking, would you fall on that sword? Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, it's it's hard without knowing all the context. It's certainly hard to say they were right to leave that company or they should have stuck it out and been more vocal. We don't know how vocal they were about it, you know, on their exit. But I do think as an HR person, you know, it's our roles to influence and provide guidance and provide counsel, but we're not always the decision makers. And there are there's some point where you can provide all the counsel you think you can, but when the decision is made, you also have to get on board and support it if you stay with that organization in some in some ways, right? So I think then you have that choice of not supporting it, and you leave, and you align yourself with company leaders that you think are a little bit more in tune with wanting your influence and are going to listen to your counsel. We, I was just with a with a client, and they had they were very strict on their lunch breaks. You know, so it's like you had an hour lunch. You if you got back two minutes later, somebody not their director per se, but some leader in the organization would let me know, hey, they were they were late, and we need to maybe write them up. And it's just not the way that you need to do business these days, right, with people. And so what I did with that was, you know, obviously that was old school, but I think that the way, way I looped it into something more modern was the fact that there is the great resignation. We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. People are leaving, and if you're going to treat your employees with such disregard, they're going to leave. And then what, what, are you, what will you have? Does it really matter the two extra minutes for lunch? Because right. in the end of the day, right. they're getting their work done. Um, and so I hope that I was able to, and I think I was able to kind of steer them to a new way of thinking that it really does, t um, everything that we do, I think really 
dictates um, employee engagement. Are you really in, engaging with your employees? Are you treating them like people? Are you being a normal, nice person? Um, because I think that you can expect that in return. Yeah. yeah. It's I, some, something so basic, right? Yeah, I agree with you. And you mentioned the great resignation. People aren't just leaving. They're putting more values on their values. They're valuing themselves. They're valuing what they believe. They're not just looking for money. They're looking for mm -hmm. mission. They want to be treated fairly. I have this saying called the KIND code. And KIND is an acronym for knowledge inspires new direction. So you using data to define and design systems for the team internally. You know, you get buy-in because you ask them first and you shape second, you know? And I think that more leaders, you know, even though we know we have to be people-focused and purpose-driven and profit-aligned, that three the hard way I've mentioned to you guys when we first spoke, you, you have to put rules in place that's not just going to engage your people, but keep them there. Something like putting data in a computer system without talking to your HR leader, again, that trust, it tells me you don't trust mm -hmm. me, or me being a business partner with the organization, mm -hmm. and then I need to understand the why. Are we just tracking what people are doing, or are we looking to see how they're engaging and interacting because we're going to use that data for a reason? Mm -hmm. And so there's different contexts to it, and, and the way that we, the, the way of the world is right now, I don't think managers, leaders, CEOs, and founders understand how important HR is to help them shape systems internally. And so when I think about nightmares, um, like data, or like people even, or clocking people for two minutes, it's the simplest things that cause the biggest issues mm -hmm. inside the workplace all oh, the time. Yeah. And I think it, I love your acronym. Okay. Acronym queen. Like, acronym queen it. here. Yeah, say it again. Say it again for everyone. Oh, okay, yeah. it's, it's the KIND code. And KIND is an acronym for knowledge inspires new direction. And that's using data it. to define and, and design yeah. for the internal workplace. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. I liked ask first, shape second. That's mm -hmm. what it's all about. Yeah. That's how you get buy-in. One thing I always make, it always makes me laugh. It's like, okay, you're going to put this software on your, your computers to monitor production. But meanwhile, maybe someone at the office is on Amazon it is no ordering stuff all day, right. you know? And it's like... You want to say, well, you didn't need to do that when they're in the office. I can guarantee you they were still, exactly. like, Googling random stuff to make hair appointments in the middle of the day. You know, like, that was happening. Like, yeah, so, so just take it down a notch. I don't need to worry about it. Yeah, sometimes it's Be just kind. getting to the root of why they feel like they need that. And that's what they need, that HR business partner, to go in and really ask those questions and ask the right questions and get to the root of why they think they need to turn people or write people up for being late two minutes from lunch, right? right? It's funny like, because COVID kind of exposed people, yeah. like the dichotomy of cultures, right? Mm -hmm. You either trusted your folks or you had you were fearful and like mm -hmm. were you were the opposite of trusting, right? So um, in this instance, sounds like they, they went to the extreme conservative side of distrust, which it sounds like it was from the top down, and there was probably nothing they could do about it from an HR director standpoint. Here All we right. are talking about COVID again. Here we are. <laughs> I don't want, I try not to. I don't like talking about don't COVID anymore. Don't bring it back. Anymore. She likes don't to avoid it, it yeah. in these episodes, <laughs> the COVID talk. Yeah. I don't want to say it's over or whatever, but I don't like talking about it. Um, okay, let's properly introduce you. Cool. All right. You are KO. Hi. Hey. Um, she is the chief people officer of True Colors, and this is a brewery that's based out of Wilmington, North Carolina. You can see we've got some nice little product placement happening here. We're definitely going to crack these open before the end of the episode. But this is brew, uh, a beer that's brewed by rivals, and it's a brewery with a bigger mission. And so I can't wait to hear about the kind of workforce that, that you're leading, helping to lead and shape 
and listen to and drive a greater purpose and and make sure that these that the folks that work at True Colors um, really enjoy their work and they can make a career uh, with a with a team that understands where they're coming from. So tell us about you and tell us about True Colors. Yeah, so it's not much to tell, tell about me. I'm KO. Um, I feel fortunate to uh, have the opportunity to work with the team. I get to work with, you know, gang, you know, non-gang. Um, I fell into HR accidentally. I would have never chosen it for myself because I'm an extreme extrovert. I like breaking rules. And <laughs> so, right, I mean, it's who I am. I'm a maverick, and so I'm a risk taker. And so it's just something that fell into my lap, and it's, I just wouldn't see myself anywhere else today. You know, I love this industry. I love what we do and how we do it. And, you know, I feel like during the C word, we'll mention COVID, right? <laughs> but we, we've all gained as people leaders a higher purpose as HR because we realized how much important, how, how important we were to help companies continue to function and flow. And so True Colors, as you said, for-profit brewery, closely knit social mission to unite gang rivals, decrease violence in our city while uniting communities across the country, which is a lot for people to take in because all the guys that come in are active gang members. And that active part means that you don't leave the gang. We ask you to stay so that you can use your, your influence to push down positive peer pressure based on what you learn internally. But we we also have non-gang members. So when you think about creating an equitable and inclusive environment, it's really different. We're not looking to bring in more minorities. We're looking to spark conversations among all the people that, that are there to get to know each other. And so um, a standard quarter in True Colors is having an eight-week onboarding class. Um, all gang goes through eight weeks of life skills, social skills, business skills, and beer. Um, after that, <laughs> I have this initiation where I take you to jump out of an airplane. Um, I, I'll Do go, you go? I go Do you every, jump? I've jumped four times. Oh, my God. Oh. I lead by example. What if That's they're afraid? That's some process. I know. And, you know, you'd be so surprised. When <laughs> it started, so I was afraid of flights. I'm, I was afraid of heights, of flights, of everything. And now I'm just like, let's jump, <laughs> right, <laughs> without being my system, right? And so uh, we skydive. And then after, <laughs> and then after so we skydive, we go into a 90-day internship where they're going through stretch assignments, uh, getting over learning curves, and the departments that they express interest in. So they're going into marketing and finance and to brew ops. And mm -hmm. after they get through that 90 days, they flow into their associate roles, and they're making 37.5 to 42.5. You know, and it's great money for somebody without experience. And you get med medical, dental, stock options. Uh, but mm. what happens afterwards is really um, the larger part of True Colors. It's great to create a system to bring people in, but you have to do something to help sustain them and where they are. And so we have things like True Community, which is a tribe system I develop. I have the team split into tribes, and they compete on a monthly basis based on work performance, uh, friendly competitions, not basketball, but kayaking, um, and giving back to the community because the job is not just to come into True Colors and work, but to help decrease violence and change perspectives. And you do that by engaging with people internally and externally into the community. And at the same time, while we have all these things happening, we have people that have no experience with gangs, never walk through the inner city at all that are coming to work at True Colors because they want to be a part of this mission. And so I create things like inclusorships, big word, right? Where I just want you to have lunch with somebody that doesn't look, look like you. And when you finish, I just need you to answer three questions. Did you find something that you had in common? Mm -hmm. Did you learn something new? Would you do it again? And just those three perspective points helps 
not just spark conversations, but build meaningful relationships inside the workplace. And a lot of those things that we did, you know, we aren't doing right now because we're at the height of beer production. The company went to market late last year, and you know it was winter time, so it wasn't the best time to go into market, but we did. And spring is coming, and so uh, we don't have a current disrupt you class happening, and everybody is you know full speed ahead. Uh, I left; they were canning beer, you know, to get get into the Raleigh market uh, because right now we're just spread through North Carolina with the goal, hopefully, to go into D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, and hopefully Florida and South Carolina in the next six months. But we've been fortunate to have people that have supported us, stood with us. Most and Coors became a minority stake partner in the company. And so we're working with them on distribution. And uh, I've seen such incredible change. Uh, We have a young man who served 10 years in prison. My first day there, I was a contractor. Didn't tell you that. George invited me in to speak to the guys for one day. I was in New York. I used to do event and set design. So I built things before I learned how to build people. And I had this awakening moment where I wanted to do something more meaningful. So I closed the business after doing it for 11 years in Wilmington. And I was in New York speaking because I started doing workshops based on Dr. Seuss books for women in leadership, like lessons of leadership from Dr. Seuss for powerful women who aspire to, to lead. So long, but it was like, let's talk about the Lorax, like who speaks for the trees, who speaks for people who can't speak for themselves, right? And I was in New York speaking at the Women's Venture Fund and the CEO of True Colors was also there. And I introduced myself to them. Somebody tried to connect us by email. We had this conversation. I told them the story about um, a young girl who grew up and had changed her life. And he was like, I need you to come and tell the guys. So I came and told the guys one day, and then he asked me to come back for a week, then gave me a 40-day contract and contracted me for two years. (laughs) (laughs) And then one day he was like, I have this really important job in people and education that I think you can do. I was like, me in HR? No, sir. You know, it's just not me. And it was going to be difficult for me, and this is me being honest, to commit to working for somebody after not working for anybody for almost 12 12 years. I have to follow somebody else's rules. Not sure. Be sure you get back in two minutes. Don't make a long lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I said yes because I was so committed to the mission, you know, and I've been there, you know, ever since. But that young man, my first day, he wouldn't speak. He wouldn't speak for the first four months, and he was part of that original onboarding. And I remember one day he opened his mouth, and he said the only thing that got him through serving a 10-year prison sentence, right, 10 years, and he came home, and after being home for 30 days, he got a job in True Colors, was doing the gym work. I was like, so what do you want to do with yourself? He's like, I want to do health and wellness. Today, that young man is director of health and wellness in True mm-hmm. Colors. And so, and that just gives people an example of the transformational change that happens in people. I'm training them to prepare them for the workplace, but it's really preparing them for real life. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, True Colors may be a transition point. For others, it may be their lifelong careers where they leave, you know, um, after they decide to retire and their life's pretty young. So I'm not sure if they're retiring anytime soon. But, you know, we prepare them to to believe in themselves. You know, confidence is important. Our first week in that eight-week onboarding is Belief Week. I teach you how to believe in yourself, but believe in your opportunities and, and believe in what's next. It's like the hard honeymoon phase. If you're married, it's like get, getting to yeah, know your spouse. Yeah. They, they pass gas. They burp at night. Their feet doesn't smell too good. Yeah, all those things. And the second phase is that fight through, you know? And, like, if I want to be here, I have to fight. And then that third phase is second nature. You don't have to tell people constantly what they shouldn't do. you got to teach them how to do things that's new, and eventually it becomes a habit. And, you know, and so that's just true colors. And I've been there ever since. Um, uh, It's an honor. 
it's an honor to be there. It's exciting work, and we do traditional HR stuff like payroll and compliance. And I'm just not interested there. But I'm interested in creating organizational. <laughs> that's not that fun stuff to talk. About. No, that's not who I am. <laughs> Although I had to do some ACA compliance, which stretched me a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that but stretches us all. It's, yeah, I'm like somebody help, right? Give me a drink. And <laughs> but I think the best part for me is helping create that 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 purpose strategy that that you know that helps people you know align themselves with the business goals and values so that they they can su- succeed. Our ROI is not just beer; it's also in people. And so we need to see a return on investment in everything that we do. How is our mission being impacted? We're looking at Shot Spotter. If shots have been decreased, if violence is down, and if shooting is up in the neighborhood, that's where I target to to recruit. I've been in the trap house, the courthouse, the drug house, the jail house to recruit people to bring them in. If I know you're coming home, or um, if uh, you need to expand uh, what you know to go into a role, what classes can we give you so that you can become our star performer? Because we don't have to hire one, we can help shape one. And you'll find lo- loyalty there when you trust people to learn and then put them in a role where they can be productive and the work is me- meaningful. Um, and then finally, of course, is the beer sales that help sustain the social mission. And so when we look at the can and we see things like brood and unity, Everything that we do internally with our processes and our systems, our culture, is to drive that unity, to drive leadership, teamwork, and change. That's awesome. I'm really curious. You said you talked about a little bit on the community, and, you know, I'm newer to the Wilmington community. Um, and I'm just really curious, like, what is the feedback? You know, how is the community embracing your mission? Yeah, I mean, it's, we have some fans, and we have some people that just aren't interested in, mm-hmm. uh, in True Colors. They don't think that what we're doing, uh, not that it's valuable, but they don't think it's the right model. You know, we have some people that don't agree with the gang members staying active. You know, that's been a big issue. They don't understand the why there. Um, And some people think that we should be going about it a different way. But we have more people who support us, Mm -hmm. not just in Wilmington, but across the United States, Uh, you know. and, And I think that's so encouraging, you know, when you create something that's new, that's never been done before, and if you can do it and you can succeed, it's a model that other companies can adapt, you know, to make change in people. It's like second chance hires, right, mm-hmm. guys? It's creating yeah. those best practices to get people in the workplace and to keep them in the workplace, you know, and then create an environment where they have a sense of belonging. And so that's what True Colors is doing. We're just using gang. But um, the company, I mean, down the block, I don't want to call a name. It might be a real company, right? The company down the block, you know, can do do the same thing and so it's just the model that we're using so we have some supporters yeah. but we have some people that aren't real fans of what we're doing and often when that happens it's because they've never had a conversation with understand. anyone and you know when they hear mm-hmm. it they, they see the model they see some of the work we've done and see some of the change that's happened with people they're like oh I understand now, but I still don't like the active thing, but I understand a little bit, you know, and they get closer and closer. Yeah, it's their own comfort level yeah. and, and some of that is because they don't know, right? Yeah, they, don't, look, they don't understand that life. That's not been their life. And gangs have, you know, we look in the news, when you hear the word gang, it becomes, people are afraid. Right. But, you know, when gangs were originally created, and I love to go back to the, histori- the, 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 the history of gangs, is a lot of gangs were created to help uh, uplift their communities, to provide for the single moms and the children. But somewhere down the line, you know, there, there was a replacement in leadership where someone decided that they wanted to do something different, and it changed. And our goal, part of our goal in True 
Colors is to take people back to that place of origin to uplift their communities. They're one of the largest organized groups in any inner city community, right? I mean, when you think about that, it's like we have political parties. They're a political party, but just in their community. So how do we help shape what they believe about themselves? And if we can do that, it changes what they believe about their household, what they believe about what they can do in their community. And once we do that, they'll believe that they can do anything. And so uh, it's about changing that one individual who in turn will go ahead and maybe take the lead to change what's happening externally or internally within himself and externally in his neighborhood. And, you know, Lisa, team, we won't ever be able to hire all gangs. And so staying active just means that I'm going to listen to my big homie tell me uh, what to do and what not to do. And I believe because he's an example for me. I saw him do 10 years in prison and come home. He has a great job. He's engaged, just had his first child. And he lives somewhere in Carolina Beach or in Whitesville Beach somewhere, you know, and he's walking in the sand with some flip-flops. So he's living a better <laughs> life than what he had before. And so if he can do that, then, you know, we can do it. You know, when I built that onboarding, I used the framework. Um, it's formal classroom training. So let's sit down and talk and I instruct you. A development activity. I teach you how to research what you learned inside the classroom on your own so you can do it even afterwards. A special project. I want you to present what you learned and what you research in your own voice in front of your peers. It builds confidence and it gets you used to hearing your voice, your, your sounds mm-hmm. in the room. And I reinforce it with what I like to call a beyond-the-block experience. I take you outside of the neighborhood and allow you to apply what you learned in the classroom and what you researched in real time. So I took them to D.C. to learn about Frederick Douglass, who used his voice to help shape his community and not a gun. And once you get a taste of those experiences, it makes you change what you want to do for yourself and what you believe can happen for yourself and your entire community. Well, I just want to, like, cheers to K.O. Yeah. Wow. Like, geez, Louise. I mean, seriously. I, you, you, thank you. If, I mean, if True Colors ever did anything wow. right, it, hiring you as a chief people officer yeah. and putting you in Excellent. charge of constructing, like, an onboarding program, I mean, awesome. Like, I, I, listening to you is very inspirational, and you can, you're Lisa very, Lee like, Lisa Lee said that, engaging. y'all. Quote her. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, that, yeah. that is, that is incredible. The, I, I don't just throw compliments out there. I mean, you... You're very, you're very good at, uh, (laughs) you're very good at explaining what's going on over there. Thank you. Um, Wow. Can I say one thing? I think it's really interesting. So I, I love the mission of what you guys are doing, but I have liked the idea that sometimes, often you look at issues that you're dealing with or your mission, and a lot of times nonprofits take on that kind of bulk of the work. And I love that it's a company because what you're doing is you're investing in them with the job and mm-hmm. I think well because we're in HR but I think that having a job is the is the way that you can change the entire world mm-hmm. you know you have to have a job mm-hmm. and um, you can get back to your community that way mm-hmm. so are you what do you think about it being for a for-profit versus yeah. a non-profit I mean we couldn't have survived any other way if we were non-profit we would be asking for funds mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have worked we needed to be for-profit for profit. That's why we sell the beer to help sustain the social mission. And it's the culture of gangs. Gangs aren't going to work for a nonprofit. They're hustlers, you know. And I always like to show them how to translate their block skills inside the boardroom. And so if you knew how to, you know, uh, facilitate a transaction on the corner of a product, then that means that you can help me sell beer, right? <laughs> if you were a smooth talker, that means that you can be a master communicator. So that translation works. And so we have to be a for-profit um, so that we can continue to help sustain and to pay for the things that we need. But I think that nonprofits do take on the bulk of the work, but they always have a lot of red lines that they have to go through to get per- permission. And the power in True Colors is that we don't have to go to ask anybody for per- permission. We can just get, get it done ourselves. We don't have to go through the red, red tape. You know, The only red tape is there is the red tape we put up ourselves. 
I mean, Ooh, I've been to a that. few events. Like, like we need that. to just crack these things I was like, I've been to a few events. Amazing. Like, they're, they're, they're pretty good at selling your selling your beer. I'm like, do I want the cocktail over here by this company? And they're like, no, 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 come over here to our. It's right here. <laughs> I mean, so okay, this let's talk about this. I mean, this this podcast is all about actual HR nightmares. So you think about gangs. And beer. It just seems like a recipe for disaster, right? Yes. That's what your haters are always saying, right? But but beer and employees is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so, like, talk to me just as a, a chief people officer of a, of a brewery, how do you handle, like, when you're allowed to drink on the job? And by the way, like, so many of our clients have, like, a fully stocked bar at the office and, like, we've got after-hours parties and so you're having to deal with, like, okay, when is this, like, when are you, when is this not, like, a company-sponsored event and when are you allowed to drink, not allowed to drink? So talk to me about just how do you maneuver through the kind of, like, oddities related to drinking while you're at work I or mean, in the office space? Do lots of threats. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Threaten <laughs> everyone. Yeah, so we don't drink on the job, but we drink in the job. And so it's the difference. And so on the job means you're on the clock. And so uh, because we have a brew pub, you know, employees aren't allowed to drink on the job. You know, you have to be fully punched out. And so if you're drinking in the job, it's because you're fully punched out and you're not on the job anymore. Um, we, we, of course, tell people it's always a work, a work function, so please take discretion. You know, and we're not counting beers, though. We're hoping nobody's sneaking in the back, you know, <laughs> popping a full six-pack or anything. But we don't usually have a problem with having people drink on the job Throughout the day, we we'll have functions where everybody's punched out. The day is over, and we're toasting or we're having an all hands meeting. And so um, we do have rules in place, though. And those rules is, you know, like you have to be fully punched out if you're going to drink um, in the job because you're not on the job. And you know, uh, know your limits, please. You know, or uh, if you can't drive, please Uber home because we don't want to see anybody from the company with the cool mug shot. You know, on. Right, especially at the role, and say they work for True Colors. And, and I was drinking True Light. Like, yeah, that's not all that. We don't want that. <laughs> it goes yeah. back, back to what you were talking about earlier. It's all about trust. You're yeah. trusting your employees. And trusting. You know, and I don't know if you guys know that, but that TRU is truth, responsibility, and unity. And so it's kind of our core values. And so, you know, that's us being responsible. You know, it's us making sure that we sell our beer, but we don't drink too much on the way home where we're going to get in trouble in doing it. And so it's just knowing the right time to drink. Um, It's knowing uh, your limit of how to drink. And uh, we don't sell any beer from site right now. Uh, We just do directly to distributors. But when the brew pub opened, you know, some of those rules may change. You still have to be punched out to drink, you know, um, in the company. You can't be on the job. But... uh, you'll be able to, uh, I guess, invite people in to drink with you. But, you know, I know some companies, Lisa, where you can drink on the job. They don't have any rules in place. No, come drink after 3 p.m. or after 2 p.m. And I know a girl that would come in with whiskey and her coffee in the morning. <laughs> okay. Wow. And it's well, how like, she, wow. taking it to another level. Yeah, yeah but it's how she functioned. And nobody said mm-hmm. anything because she never. it was never a problem for her. And so I think that, you know, when there's no rules, it's like, there's no rules. Yeah. You just got to address people who are abusing it, I guess. I mean, I've got so many freaking stories about people just hammered at work and, like, how do you deal with that or, like, hammered at a, at a function. But hammered at work, especially, like, in a manufacturing environment, is a real problem. Right. Uh, <laughs> when you're, like, dealing That's with heavy equipment issue. and, yeah. Yeah, like, it's a major safety issue. And, you it's know, a big just, one. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. just tell people, you know, listening, like, make sure that you're not, like, in a state of anger, uh, you know, sending people out to their car to drive themselves home or find their own way home like call them a cab that's the first thing you got to do um but and then 
you know, I would just say treat them as a person first. I've had a couple of situations over the years where um, somebody came to HR and like I wanted to anonymously report that they thought they smelled like liquor on somebody's breath. And at the end of the day, in like I can think of two specific scenarios, this person had diabetes and they were like in a low sugar kind of situation and so their breath smelled like really sweet almost yeah, like raw like yeah. yes mm-hmm. so oh my um, goodness. you know just kind of like never assume that you know what's going on with people especially if they're acting like behaviors deviating from the normal it's like <sighs> bring them in the office like talk to them as a right. human and try to like make an assessment and if you're concerned um, especially like where it is a safety concern like make sure you put them in the car and drive them yourself or like call a cab Send him to Medac. I'm sure Medac. Yeah, I did that one time. We had a person that was on a forklift, and he had passed out on the forklift. And it was so dangerous for himself, but for all of the other employees, too. But rather than just being, you know, crazy HR where you're not a human, we Mm. were very human with him and got him the help that he needed. We also got him a ride home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. I mean, you know, years and years and so many employees, you know. There's all spectrums, right? I mean, in my beginning of my career, I was a manager of BP Shoes at Nordstrom, which is like the junior's yeah. shoes, right? My employees were anywhere in the age range. I would say the average age was 19 to 22, and they oh, all gosh. went out together every night. Sometimes <laughs> I was probably with them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, I remember many times I had an employee one time fall backwards off a fitting stool, you know, <laughs> measuring a customer's foot. I'm like, okay, so you're going to need to go home now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get They're it. safe to try it. Like, it was just one of those. So I had all of those, but then I had some really serious ones, too, where it's like someone really did have a problem. Mm. And, you know, from an HR aspect, you know, if they have a problem and they tell us they have a problem, they're putting us on notice yeah. for some things, too. And we need to do, get them some take help, the right steps them. to get them, yeah. get them some help. And that is where sometimes companies get it wrong. Is they don't ask yeah. enough questions mm-hmm. and they make assumptions. Yeah. And then Christmas parties, company holiday parties and events, those are the worst ones. I mean, yeah. usually, you know... I'm not sure all companies, some companies turn around when you're having a Christmas party, but I've been around a couple of organizations where it was serious. I mean, I've seen a guy, he was so, I mean, he stripped, you know, and everybody was still there. (laughs) And then he ran downstairs and went outside and then threatened to beat everybody up. He was terminated the next day. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. but he didn't understand why he was terminated because there was no rule in place. Right, right. Also, he probably didn't remember. Company-sponsored event. Company-sponsored event. Yeah. I can just drink what I want. Everyone was drinking. Celebration. We yeah. Had, I had one that I, t- I told these guys, but we had a Christmas party, and the director thought the party was lame. So he took a tray of shots oh. and encouraged everyone to have Take I mean, multiple shots. That definitely makes shots. it more fun. And um, yeah, so, <laughs> jello shots. Same thing. The next day, I had to terminate the person, and um, he so was what? like, "I tried to kiss my boss. <laughs> you did, and you're gone." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the part. It wasn't the shot. He's probably like, "I'm never uh, coming back anyway." Yeah. So he did. Fine. He said, "You know what? I don't even need anything from my desk. He let I'm you cool. keep his I'm stuff. Done. Yeah. Oh, oh my god." So I guess that's this yeah. is great. I mean, just making sure we have like standard rules in place, and then if somebody needs help, offering that help yeah. through maybe yeah. a resource guide. If we have it, hey, if you are having issues with alcoholism, you know, go ahead and when you send an invitation out, it's HR. Make sure that you tell people to drink responsibly, yeah. right? So we can hold ourselves mm-hmm. accountable for giving yeah. people what they need. Yeah, it's funny, Nordstrom. We didn't have those kind of events because we didn't <laughs> want to deal with any of that. I don't think, but we had customer <laughs> holiday parties. Oh. And there are, uh, I can tell you many stories. <laughs> I'm like, man, you 
just inappropriately touched my very adorable male 22-year-old Emily. <laughs> you know, like, we're going to have, it's time. It's time to go. go. The party's Sold that over free rosé. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's Bottle where we water. usually had it was we had to, you know, part ways with customers on those nights, wow. not employees. Can I bring it back to another question? I love talking about beers, but I thought you said something that was so interesting to me about how you're hiring the person and you can train them for anything that they need to do. Can you talk about uh, more about that? Because I think that that's, I think as HR leaders, if we can see the person, you can train them for pretty much anything. Maybe not um, brain surgery. Like technically. But like capacity and, <laughs> yeah. ca- and the yeah. intellect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so when we recruit people, we have an open house format. It's not just a one-on-one interview at first. It's a large group format where we bring in everybody who's filed the application within that past maybe 90 to 120 days that quarter. And we invite them in. We tell them the true color story. We have a department call. So each conference room has a department in it. You get to know the department manager and the team that works there. Then they fill out an interest form that at that that they check off which department they think they're interested in after hearing more about it. Oh, that's and, cool. and so when we take them through that Disrupt You program at eight weeks, those last two weeks is uh, like specific training in those areas that you express interest in so that you can kind of get your fingers wet a little bit, your, your feet wet to see if it's something you want to go into. And once you decide that you want to go into and you transition from Disrupt You into that department, that 990 days is filled with you working with the team to see if there's cohesion there and you're working on the actual project with some stretch assignments on your own. And so... I'm going to use Spree as an example. He was interested in digital marketing. He got that digital marketing certification. We continue to train him in those soft skills to be a more effective leader. And today he's our assistant director in marketing. And so if you if somebody sets a goal and you give you give them the tools that they need, you know, and you can't just stop. Some people need more support than others. You know, Mm -hmm. you have check ins, individual action plans, personal professional development plans, all those things in place. You know, and you don't have to do it yourself as HR, but if you equip your managers with the tools to make sure that every quarter they're doing check-ins and they're, they're, they're updating to see what their team needs and how they can help them grow, then, you know, you wouldn't have to hire an assistant director of marketing. You can hire a spree, and then you can help train and develop him to get to where he is right now. And if you ever heard this young man speak or seen him in any of the videos, it would blow your mind. You wouldn't even be able to look at him until he was a gang member. Most gang members are, you can identify it by looking at him, but he's so well-spoken, you know, and he understands SEO more than a lot of people that I know. No, and this may surprise you. He loves physics, and so if he had if he had an opportunity, he would go back to school to learn some of that. But it's stirring that that thing up in someone that they don't know exists until you put them in a situation to learn and to discover. Cool. Yeah. Hey, incredible. Um, I know. Amazing. So, um, a lot of my clients are constantly trying to figure out, like, in the office space, how do you make a cool office space? And it's like we're way beyond having the beer tap or the ping pong table or whatever, you actually have a recording studio. We do. So um, <laughs> tell us about that. And has that has, have it, has any of the music or what's been recorded in there like caused any kind of angst between the two rival gangs? Or um, how does the recording studio like impact you positively, negatively? How's that working out as like a perk? Yeah, so we have access to stories that other people don't have access to that have happened in the lives of people and in the communities that we care about in Wilmington right now. And 
when you watch a movie or see a video, you often hear the the score, the, the sound that comes with it. You had a song that changed how you felt about something or it made you feel good when you was upset or angry. And so that's how we use the studio. We have an actual artist who, that's his job, is to create music on mission, right? And so we're not allowing anybody to rap uh, where they're talking about violence, they're talking about anything that's out of the the scope of who we are as an organization. So uh, our artist, Triggs, his nickname, he just released a track for Black History Month, and it was talking about some of the work of Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and others that came before and after them and how we have to look back in order to move forward to shape our own history. And so we're using it to um, help educate people on um, what it looks like and feels like to be a gang member or work in a marginal live in a marginalized community and we're also using it to bring people together you know through that sound and those videos where you stir up the emotions we had a famous rapper i think his name was asap ferg that came to the studio and i'm a little older so i was just like <laughs> you're right i was like hi <laughs> Who? Right? And so, right? I'm, I was. I didn't know, but I lost I'm, on you immediately googling him. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And so, but and so, artists are coming down because they're interested in the mission. They're interested in recording that's in the cool. studio because the studio is incredible. So cool. But I think what what we could do that's really powerful is to pull people from those viral gangs to make a song together. There was a song a long time ago showing my age. It was called Self Destruction. It was made by KRS One and it mm-hmm. was a group, group of rappers that got together and made this song because violence was at a height in the rap community at the time. And the woman that was pregnant had been killed in Madison Square Garden. This was decades ago. So all the rappers got together to create a song to encourage the young people to put their guns down. And that model that we have the studio, that messaging is not just a message of unity, but a message of uniting rivals and a message of peace and education for the people that are listening. Awesome. That's yeah. great. I love how you like have some of those things, but it's always tied back to your mission. It has and to. The community and like having some guidelines in place. Having parameters, So it's like, right? okay, yeah, it's like we've got some boundaries here to yeah. make sure that we really are providing this really positive place for people. We have to. I yeah. mean, that's, that's how we sustain. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, Ko, tell us where we can find you and our listeners can connect with you. We can listen to Trig song. Yeah. Buy your beer. Buy the beer. Yeah. Yeah. You can go on uh, to to the website, truecolors.co, and see what events were happening. I pop up at some of them sometimes. I am Kalila Equips on all social sites. That is uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. I'm on TikTok. <laughs> right, so, so it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Come find me, or you know, stop by the brewery. We love uh, me- meeting new new people and inviting them in for a tour. And you know, you drop in, have a tour. I got a free beer for you. Yeah, all right, awesome. Sounds, I think incredible. we're definitely going to do that. So come on, thanks so much for the invite. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. we love it. We'll. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. You're amazing. Um, Definitely a shining star of Wilmington. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate your time. We know you're busy. You're trying to can some beer over there. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to let Amy do the plug for us. Yeah. So find us on YouTube. Subscribe. Click that little bell so you get notified every other week when new episodes air. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms, HR Nightmares, and Head on over to social. Follow us on LinkedIn, Lisa Lee, Beth Looney, Amy Conway. Um, and we're on Instagram as well as Leaf HR Group. So, yeah, awesome. we're all over. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.